Howdy friends, welcome back to Experience Design with Tony Dosat. I happen to be Tony Dosat. This is a podcast about how design impacts the way we experience life. And I would love to know what you think of the show. So subscribe, leave a review, find me on Instagram at xdpodcast, whatever it is. I love hearing from all of you. It means the world to me. So with that, let's go ahead and dive into this week's conversation. All right. Here behind the mic, across the globe, we have the founder and CEO of Pitchproof, as well as the founder of Front Row Digital Conference. It is my honor to introduce Mr. Ryan Hayward. What's up, brother? Thanks for jumping on. Of course, of course. I'm glad I can be here. Um, you've got an awesome podcast, and I'm looking forward to speaking um, to you and your community. Well, I'm really flattered that you'd say that. That's, that's very kind of you. So I, I wanted to have you on for a few reasons. One being, dude, how old are you? <laughs> that's a great question um look i don't i don't promote my age um i'm happy but on things like this um it's because i know more of my personal community will see this but i'm actually only 18 years old um believe it or not which people don't understand i've only really only told a few people um and i've kind of like uh about it for a little bit just because you know we provide so much like valuable content and like educational content yeah. on instagram i didn't want people to validate that as not trustworthy or, or loyal or anything like that um so i don't really promote my age or anything like that but you know i've been freelancing and working as a designer since i was like 14 so a, a bunch of years now and i've just got this passion for learning design so i just want to share as much as that as possible so everything i put out there on instagram it's all been validated it's all things that i've done it's just not articles i've read like it's i guess proper design advice yeah well you say you don't share it with many people, but you just told 105 countries. Um, <laughs> <laughs> listen, I say lean into that. Don't run away from it because you are so immensely talented. My God. <laughs> I thought you were going to say 21, 22, 24. Yeah, yeah. yeah people don't realize. Yeah. It's, um, How do you say in Australian, like in like street language, that I'm blown away by that. I'm chuffed. Uh, Struth, I think is the best way to go. Struth? Struth. Struth, mate. <laughs> Gosh. I mean, I'm a little <laughs> at a loss for words. Do you get that often? Um, yeah, well, obviously online and everything, you don't really, I guess, tell that to people. But when you go out and network in person, um, obviously that conversation comes up. You know, I'm only 18 years old or anything like that. And then, you know... I've had a bunch of random kind of responses, you know, most of the time people are just blown away with it. There's a bunch of different um, responses that you get from that. I don't know, you get used to it over time. Well, when I was doing my typical stalking that I do, I was like, he's got to be really young. I mean, cause you're not really on Facebook. Yeah. Yeah. So that was an indication <laughs> to me of like, all right. <laughs> cause only us <laughs> old farts are on Facebook still. <laughs> I actually did find your old graphic design page. It was a green avatar. Yeah. With yep. uh, said, you know, I make stuff look awesome. It's plain and simple or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Way to go, man. Anyway, <laughs> so how did you start Pitch Proof and why did you start Pitch Proof? Tell us about it. 
Sure. So basically I had a problem that I wanted to be solved. So pitch proof when we started it was to be a piece of software for designers to build logo presentations. So they, they're able to pitch their work to a client in a versatile experience because the main problem I had with presentations was the experience wasn't versatile and growing up very, you know, digital first and everything being on this, a mobile phone. If you view a PDF on a mobile phone, it's a horrible, horrible experience. Like it's absolutely dreadful. And I was like, so confused, like why everyone's presenting their work to clients in a PDF, like, you know, going out there to different design agencies. And, you know, we did a bunch of different research and probably hundreds of different agencies, you know, just literally me sending emails going, Hey, how do you present your work? And they're all like, Oh, you know, we do it in a PDF or just like a presentation over the phone or something like that. And I was like blown away that everyone was presenting their work in a PDF because you look at other things like, uh, for example, Envision, how we prototype now, it's all very versatile and interactive. But arguably the most important way, the most important part of the design process, pitching your work to a client wasn't versatile at all. And I just felt it was a little bit out of date. So yeah, that was that problem that we wanted solved. So fortunately enough, my brother, um, who was our CTO, um, he's got a background in software engineering. Um, and he basically came to me and I pitched the idea to him. He said, build a landing page in Webflow, um, get 50 signups to validate the idea and then we'll build um, it out and actually make it a proper thing. And then in about three days, we actually got our 50 signups, which is awesome. And then we just started that process of building um, one, a product and two, a community, um, which is kind of, kind of led us to where we are now with a massive 70,000 following on Instagram. What a journey you've had. I mean, I, I, and obviously now I'm going to keep coming back to this because it is <laughs> so powerful at such a, such a young age. How candid are you with your memberships and how much the how much gross you're making? Are you candid with that at all? I'm not going to press on it if you're not. I'm probably not going to go into how much financial money I'm making or anything like that. Totally fair. But I will say from this journey of pitch proof, I've found the community aspect to be something I really enjoy. And as a designer, I've grown a bit from just going, okay, my job is to design stuff for other people to my job and my my career and my, my you know, big global plan to be impacting other designers. Yeah. So it's not so much about designing for small businesses anymore. Um, like I did in the past, it's more about creating an impact in the industry. And that kind of what draws me. And you're doing that for sure. Appreciate it. So going back, what are some key elements to just knock out a presentation? Um, look, we've got a course coming out, so I won't go too much into details about it, but there is three things I want to cover here that I think people stuff up all the time. Um, and number one, and this is huge, you need to share the problem you're solving. You know, if you're going to present a design to a client, just don't send them an email and a PDF and go, oh, here you go. What are your thoughts? Yeah. Like, there's no, there's no context to it, right? So like the reason someone's contacting you for a design is because they've got a problem that they need solved. So if you can identify that and show the client that process of how you solve that problem, they, you're going to have a lot less re um, revision rounds and the entire design process is just going to be smoother. Um, second thing that I see designers make a mistake all the time is they don't finish with any sort of call to action. They just go, here's the presentation, what do you think? There's no targeted questions. 
Um, and I feel that's just a huge mistake because you're just going to get generalized feedback like, oh, I like this. I don't like that. Don't like that color. I don't like this color. It's just all general stuff and it doesn't really help you pinpoint the next steps in the design process. And then finally, the last thing is to use the right language. You know, not all clients know the design lingo. They don't know what kerning is. They don't care about what typeface is what. So, you know, don't go into too much design lingo. Just keep it simple. Dumb it down a little bit, depending on your clients. Obviously, you need to know who your client is and what they understand. But yeah, just make it broad, make it general sometimes. Those are three dynamite points. And that, that last bit, speaking their language, is such a thing that I see people miss all the time. Yeah. And the first thing you said also, of course, sort of identifying and re-emphasizing the problem that you're solving. But so many times when we're presenting, we try to put on some sort of front, you know, that what we're gonna say is just so brilliant and so smart, and look at how I did this, and isn't that so incredible here? Where it's like, just talk to me. Just talk to me like I'm a freaking human being, because that's what we all are. <laughs> That's it, yeah. You don't want to intimidate your client. No, and even even if they're dropping some fat cash, you know, it's like, well, you deserve it. You're in the room. You're presenting. Yeah. Yep. That gets in a lot of people's heads. I want to ask you, you have your folks? Are your folks still around, still alive? Yeah, yeah, of course. What are they like? Yeah. Very hardworking. They both work full time. So my dad, he um, works in the like fuel industry. Um, so he starts at basically 3 a.m. in the morning um, most days. So they're very hardworking. I wouldn't say they're entrepreneurs or anything like that. So that's not where I've kind of got that whole side from, but they're very hardworking and dedicated. And if you want something, you really have to work for it. That's kind of, I think, where that's come from. Yeah, so you obviously picked up what I was throwing down. Like you got this from something or somewhere and that hard work, that dedication, that creative mindset of finding problems nobody else is answering. Do you fear that the path to becoming a successful logo designer is going to get harder and harder or take longer to get established because of things like Fiverr and 99designs and uh, what do you think about that? Did you ever jump on one of those when you were first starting out? That's how I started. So I started by entering design contests online and then basically I started to win a few of those. I'm like, okay, like I've got something here, you know, I'm winning design contests against other designers who have been designing for years. And that's kind of how I got started in the whole um, design and client side of things. But I guess coming back to your question, is it harder to make a living now or in the future doing logo design? I would say yes and no. One, the demands for logo design and the value for logo design is higher now than it was. People appreciate branding because they know it's valuable to their business um, compared to, you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago when only the big dogs realize that. But look, sites like these, it opens the game up for everyone. And it it really just, like, you have to stand out. If you want to win the designer game, it's just about standing out. And I say it all the time on my Instagram, you know, you have to be niche to be seen. Being unique is your superpower. Things like that. 
it's not so much about the amount of designers out there because the industry is growing. It's growing at a rapid pace. Let's be honest. There's a lot more competition than there once was. So you really have to be either one, the best of your game or two different. You've got to provide something different. So I don't think it's going to be harder to grow as such. You just have to put more work into realizing what makes you different. I wanted to ask you about that, about the better versus different or unique. So on your post, um, in the body, you commented, how do I stand out as a designer? Blah, blah, blah. A good designer isn't better than someone else. They're different from everyone else. Take a look at your design inspirations. Most likely you were attracted to them and their skills because they offered something that you can't find elsewhere. So let's start the conversation on how to be different, not better. Let me ask you, what does it mean to you to be different? I think being different is doing things that other people aren't expecting you to do. And how does that show up in the work? I don't think it comes down to as much as the of your actual work, but I think it's your messaging. Ah. Like, I think there's a level where it's like, okay, you're good enough to basically work for any clients or design anything um, in, you know, in some respects. Um, I think it comes down to your messaging. So how you actually position yourself as a designer, as a brand, especially if you're freelancing. Um, like if you look at the you know best agencies in the world, the only thing that really differentiates them is their positioning. Like they both can understand design. Like they both can design for big top brands. You look at Pentagram or compared to like Landor or something like that. Like they both work with big clients. They both have the same like quality of design, I guess. The difference is their positioning. I think you nailed it there. And the way that I interpret that in my own life And after I saw that post, I started thinking about that. And there are a ton of designers out there that are better than me, smarter than me, work harder than me. However, if I had to self-reflect on the unique quality is you get me in the room with the client and it's going to be something very unique and very different than anybody else can offer. Doesn't mean it's better, but it means it's going to be unique and different because of my background and different things I bring to the table. So let me ask you, Ryan Hayward, what makes you unique and different? Um, well, you could come down to a bunch of different things, one including my age. See, and um, that's why including my and passion. that's why I think you should lean in on it. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those things. I've kind of tossed and turned about it for a little bit. Yeah, I still haven't made my mind up. About- I can see why. I can see why you would be trepidatious about it because you want to be taken seriously and you want, you know, you don't want people to think, oh, what does this kid know? It's like, well, I know a lot. <laughs> yeah. Like I use my age for leverage in particular situations and it, yeah. it depends. For example, you know, a few years back, I did some like internships and stuff like that. Like I really leveraged my age then because obviously I still, at the time, you know, I was working with clients and, you know, I still had a, like my designs were deemed professional so being able to leverage my age then going hey i'm still really young um is a good thing and and how else i think it just comes down to doing things as a creative that other people haven't done for example our front row conference you know digital events like that we've got some other stuff planned in the near future um creating content online using social media as a designer like it's it's just all these, I don't know, it, I think it's just in yourself. It's just the self-awareness. If you can preach that self-awareness and yourself to others, that's the key thing that makes you unique. That is the silver tuna <laughs> right there. Self-awareness. 
so many people don't have it. It is hard as hell to have and to also maintain because self-confidence, you can manifest different ways and fake it. You can't fake self-awareness. So I respect that in you. I think it comes down to as well, designers not having a lot of self-awareness is because they're benchmarking against other designers. Yes. You're looking at everyone else and how everyone else is performing when they're forgetting to play their own game and sticking in their own lane. That's why two years ago I got off of Dribble and I get a lot of heat for it. But listen, I'm going to be honest. I'm going to say it right here on the mic. Okay. I can't stand Dribble. I can't stand it. What's that? Well, here's the thing. I think as a visual, strictly visual, as much as you would go to an art museum or as much as you would scroll through Instagram, it's a place to have visual excitement and inspiration. Yep. Anything deep or below that single shot is so completely devoid on that website that when you even try to engage, and you try to ask questions and dig into their process and why they chose what it's like they'll just say oh it's a concept yeah yeah it's like you can't you can't throw away shit like that and that really just puts a fire under my goose <laughs> i'm just making up phrases now <laughs> listen there's a place for it obviously there's a place for dribble but it's held up in such a high regard as like the place because it's invite only yeah. and it's the you know, yeah. top designers. And it's, it's the same problem that we're starting to see in Instagram, this obsession with trends. Yeah. Dribble is trend central and Instagram is starting to feel like trend central to me. And that's why I appreciate people like you trying to diversify their content and really throw some meaningful value out there. I think just on that real quick about the trends on Instagram, carousel posts, the educational carousel posts are everywhere. And yeah. it's a good thing and a bad thing. It's a good thing because people are trying to just jam value into their page. Um, but it's a bad thing because I feel a lot of designers and creatives are doing it just for the engagement and the likes and the followers. And when that's your intention, in the long term, it's not a very good game to play. And hey, listen, uh, totally honest with you, I was doing that. I don't know a single designer on Instagram, even the real heavy hitters that are like titans of this industry, you know, they know exactly what they're doing. Sure, the value is there, but also part of us are doing it for the likes. And when you catch yourself and you realize that, that's when you need to step back and reevaluate why you're doing this and why you're creating the content you're creating. Yeah. Now I have one more question for you. Sure. And it's a question that I ask every guest. What one object or thing that's non-digital that you own means the most to you or has impacted your life the most and why? That's a great question. That's going to be a tough one to answer. Um, Non-digital. Well, it's hard because growing up in a very... Well, it's harder when you're 18 because oh, yeah. you literally yeah. have been raised in this digital world. Yeah. Honestly, you just want to say a piece of paper. Like as a kid, I used to draw a lot. And I think as simple and as stupid as it is, 
like a piece of paper was probably the first stepping stone to becoming a designer and a creative because that's what I used to do. I used to get a piece of paper, get a pencil, draw. That's it. You know, it's one of those things that is so simple but so powerful. Because I think we get so caught up in this digital stuff that we forget to step away from the canvas and look at our life and what's really impactful. Couldn't agree more. I'm damn near twice your age. (laughs) If I had the wherewithal and skill, fortitude, gumption and moxie that you have at 18, thinking about what is to come for you still kind of gives me goosebumps and I respect you so much and it won't mean anything to you, but I'm also very proud of you. I don't know you, but that's how I feel. So I have I to say it. it. <laughs> thank you. Of course. Thank you so much for coming on and I can't wait to have you back next year. Sounds fantastic. That will do it for this week, friends. Thank you again to my guest and thank you again to all of you tuning in. I can't tell you how valuable you are to me. I would also like to give a really special shout out to all of the new patrons of the show, including, of course, my new executive producer, Brian Sullivan. Now, if you're wondering how you might best support the show, head over to patreon.com slash xdpodcast. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash xd podcast i also have a link in the show notes and check out all the perks of becoming a patron of the show here and listen if patreon doesn't float your boat if it's not your thing i get it but a subscribe or a view or share it's always just as meaningful as something like patreon to me it really is so impactful so with that i can't wait to have you back next week but until then friends Stay curious. Experience Design is part of XD Media, LLC. All opinions are my own and do not reflect those of my current or former employers.